Welcome to the Flourish Conference podcast. Each spring, women from all over the country gather together at our annual conference to learn, grow, and flourish together as a community. Here is the recording from one of our sessions at our 2023 conference. Good morning, everybody. I feel very honored and humbled at the same time to get a privilege to speak to you all. Um, and I brought a lot of notes, not because that it's a long message, hopefully not, but because I'm getting older, I turned 51 today, so <laughs> my vision is not as great. But uh, this weekend has been just amazing. And you know, nothing takes God by surprise. And you know, God never makes mistakes. So everything that is going on here is God-ordained and God-planned. And even though I was listening to the wonderful ladies before me, I'm like, oh man, they're using my scripture. Oh man, they're using my scripture. Oh man, they're using my scripture. You know what? It is God-ordained because he wants to make sure that we do get it, that we do engage with him because this is his desire. He loves us so dearly. And uh, that's the whole theme of our relationship with God, to be engaged with him in the love relationship. And um, somebody last night uh, quoted my scripture that I wanted to start with. It's not the theme scripture for uh, this weekend, but it's James 4, uh, verse 8, the first part of the verse. It says, come near to God. And he will come near to you. And this scripture, a lot of times we think as a condition. If we come near to God, he will come near to you. But this is not a condition. This is a progression. The closer we get to God, the more we start feeling his presence. The more we start seeing his hand doing something in our life and the lives of people around us. And this weekend, all we talk about how to get closer to God, how to engage with Him, how to get in this personal, intimate relationship with Him, in this place where we become one and experience His love for us. And the purpose of this weekend is not just to inspire all of us to do something, but also to give each one of us tools of how to actually accomplish it. And I'm a very practical person. I am, um, I like points, I like colors, my notes, that's what my girls said. They, they're like, ooh, it's all different colors. That's just me. I am practical, I like different colors, and I like order. And um, that's just what I do. But my topic also is not by mistake. Uh, Miss Penny hears from God. And even when she turns you around, (laughs) it is still God-ordained. I believe that. (laughs) Because uh, this is God. And, you know, God is good no matter what. And she gave me the topic, uh, engaging with God through the Word of God. 
And it is not by mistake, because I am the most passionate about the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I breathe the Word of God. I live the Word of God. And um, I don't even remember the last time I missed one day of reading my Bible. This is something that is part of my life every single day that I don't remember missing it anymore. But Word of God is essential in the life of every believer. Why is it? Because Hebrews 11, 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Faith apart from the Word of God is not faith. There is no faith without the Word of God. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is the basis of our faith. This is the foundation. This is how we come to even believe in Jesus, in God, of who he is. And also uh, Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Without God's word, we are nothing. We are blind. We don't see the way, we don't see the path, we stumble, we get lost. It's essential in everybody's life. And that's why we want to fully engage in the Word of God if we want to fully engage with God in our relationship with Him. But you might be thinking that I always was passionate about the Word of God. And always loved the word of God. But this is not the case. That's why subtitle of my message is from obligation to passion. Because it did not start like that. I grew up in Russia, communist Russia. In the atheistic society. Where there was no God. God was illegal in my country. And my first encounter with God. Actually hearing about Jesus was when... um, one of the teachers, not from my class, she came to my class and she was telling us the story about Jesus, how he was conceived and how he was born. And she was mocking the story. She was telling us we are all uh, old enough here to understand that it is absolutely impossible for a woman to conceive without knowing the husband. And of course it is impossible. That's why it's God. I mean, you know, but she skipped that part. And when I came home, uh, I told my grandmother, and uh, this is actually the only time I saw her furious. She was the most uh, calm, meek lady. She was a piano player, piano uh, teacher. And when I told her that, She told me this. She got so mad. I think even her face turned red. And she was speaking very, very loudly. And she said, even Karl Marx said that Jesus was real. And I was like, whoa, that's the last time I'm telling you something that happened at school. (laughs) But it took a little time. And not knowing God, I grew up. And... uh, Then the iron curtain fell, and my country started being flooded with everything, good, bad, and ugly. And my mother became a member of the movie club. 
And what it was is that all the movies that were starting to come to my country from other uh, places, especially United States, they had to be translated first, and then they would show it on the widescreen. But that movie club had the privilege to watch movies before they would release it into movie theaters. And one night she comes home and she's like, oh, I saw this wonderful movie. It's all about the creation of the world and just all wonderful things. You have to go see it. I was already in college. It was my second year of college. It was winter. And I remember as soon as the movie came out, she bought me a ticket, me and my boyfriend. The movie theater was full. It was packed. We were somewhere in the back uh, of the movie theater. And I... I remember this day like it happened yesterday. Uh, it was the movie Jesus. It wasn't even that, you know, greatly made. It was, you know, the old-timey movie Jesus. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know the plan of salvation. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know even who God was. I just heard couple times about him. But you know what? When I was watching that movie, right before they nailed him to the cross, I got the revelation of the cross. Romans 5, 8, the one that I didn't even know existed. But God demonstrated his love for us through this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It came alive in my life. And I prayed, I cried my eyes out, I prayed, and I gave my life to the Lord. And you would think that life became wonderful after that. And I started serving God. No, I didn't. Because it was just the showing in the movie theater. There was no church to go to. I didn't know any Christians, any believers. I had the Bible by that time. Uh, the humanitarian aid that they were say, sending, especially from the United States, had Bibles. So they were selling them in Russia. So my mom bought the Bible. Uh, and so I tried to read the Bible. And at first it was interesting. You know, when you start in Genesis, it's kind of good. But then when it gets all creepy and weird, <laughs> I couldn't understand it, so I stopped. And... It took several years. I had to finish my college degree, which took six years. And uh, then missionaries came to my hometown, and I started working with them. And then I met my husband and uh, fell in love with him. We got married. Uh, well, before that, I got serious with God. He didn't, you know, get the completely ignorant person. But, uh, <laughs> but I got serious about God, and... I married the ministry, and my husband is all about the Word of God. He is constantly, you read the Word, you need the Word, live in the Word, dwell in the Word. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to, but I don't know how. And uh, I felt convicted all the time. Every time he would preach, he would quote the Word, and I was his mouth, because I was his interpreter. So I would tell the people you need to read the word because I am translating his words and I'm the one that's not doing it. I am telling the stories that I have no idea what they are. I am, 
I had to be prepared to read the names because I didn't know the names, I didn't know the places, I didn't know the stories, like nothing. It was blank page. All I knew what was uh, what I was hearing from church. And I started feeling convicted. So I wanted to read the word, but I made a mistake. I felt obligated to do that. Because I felt my thinking was incorrect. I thought that I am a Christian and, you know, kind of a good one. And I'm married to a pastor, so that's a good thing. I am translating the words that God speaks to him. That's a good thing. So I need to prove to God and to everybody around me that I am that good person. So I have to read the word. And that was my biggest mistake. It was an obligation. And before I can do something and do something successfully, I need to be sure that I know why I'm doing it. I'm just that kind of person. I don't want to waste my time doing something that, you know, I was just told to do. And that's where my struggle was, that I was doing it out of obligation. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commands. And sometimes this scripture will also kind of twist a little bit. We think of this as a condition, that if I love God, I need to keep his commandments. So if I'm keeping his commandments, I'm proving to him and to everybody else that I love him. But it is not, again, uh, like that. It is a progression. Because if we truly love God, keeping his commandments become easy. It becomes natural. We don't even think about, oh, I have to keep this commandment or this commandment. Because it gets written in our hearts and it becomes part of our nature. But how can we keep his commandments if we don't even know what they are? That's why the word of God is so important. And we all know that life is not easy. We heard the testimonies of a lot of ladies here. Even before we all came here, I'm sure most of us had some kind of turmoil going at home. And even right now. And this is just part of life. It's actually, I call it one of the promises of Jesus that nobody likes. And it's in John 15, 16, 33. It says, in this world you will have trouble. That's a promise. We cannot avoid it. We will have trouble. Miss Mary was speaking about it yesterday. But when trouble comes, when tragedy strikes us and knocks us off our feet, when something terrible happens to us or our loved ones, when uh, temptation tries to creep in, when there is a disappointment, when there is a hurt or offense, how do we get up? How do we continue pressing forward? How do we keep going? Just like Jesus in Luke 
chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, he went to the desert to fast and to pray, to spend time with God. But he, at the end, was tempted by the devil. And every time the temptation came, what did he do? He would say, it is written. That's why the word of God is our sword. Because we need it to face all the trials and tribulations in our life. When someone's words or action get the best out of me. And I really strongly want to minister to that person with laying on of hands. Steadily, strongly, and repeatedly. I need Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So he sees even my heart when I'm angry and upset. When I am in the situation that I do not see the way out. I don't know what to do. I am just stunned by it. I need Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. When the whole country turns away from God and everybody around me does crazy things, I need Joshua 14 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's why the word of God is so essential in our lives because we can fight with the word. This is our sword. We can dwell on the word to renew our minds. We can pray the word. We can proclaim the promises of God. Why do we do that? Because God is forgetful and we need to remind him about what he promised in his word to us. No, even though he says that he will remember our sins no more and he will throw them in the sea of forgetfulness, he is not saying that he will have an amnesia. He is saying that he will choose not to remind us or himself about what wrong we have done in our lives. And the same thing with his promises. He remembers but I'm not God. My memory is not that great. Sometimes I walk in the room and I forget what I came here for. And it was something very important. But God is not like that. But I'm like that. And that's why when I pray the word, I remind myself, my soul, and my spirit that this is what I'm standing on. This is the foundation for my promise, for my faith that this mountain will be moved, that this will come into fulfillment. And that's why we need the word of God. And a lot of times we make assumptions. We think that people, especially 
here in the States that uh, a lot of people have generations of Christians uh, that came before them. And we assume that people know the Bible, about the Bible, and how to read the Bible. But we need to know the process. And we don't need to assume that everybody is just like you and they know the Bible. I teach children's church in my church. And this is another uh, one of my passions, teaching children and teaching them the word of God. And when I started teaching the children, I would just come up with some lessons and fun stuff and everything until I had the light bulb moment. In uh, my lessons, I always gave children an opportunity to memorize the word of God. Uh, And uh, I bribed my children. (laughs) I uh, buy all kinds of candy and gifts and everything. And actually, in my class now, if they bring not the telephone, but the regular Bible, they get a piece of candy. If they find the verse at home, the memory verse, and highlight it or underline it, they can do it with the help of their parents. They get a full-size candy bar. But if they memorize that verse, we have a toy box, which toys are good toys, and they get to pick whatever toy they want. So I bribe my kids. But my light bulb moment was during midweek service, and there was a little boy that uh, came... Uh, to it, he was not a regular attendant of our children's church. He came and he was so excited, he wanted the toy. So he's like, Miss Dasha, I'm ready. I can tell you the verse. And I don't even remember what the verse was. So I'll just pretend that it was John 3.16. And I'm like, okay, tell me the verse. And he starts, John 3 divided by 16. My heart dropped. I realized the light bulb came on and I realized this child doesn't even know what he's saying. He doesn't know what John, what three, what dot dot column and what 13 means. 16, whatever. And I changed everything. I started focusing on the word of God and bribing the kids. And they bring the Bible. They uh, find stuff in the Bible. Now they are probably better than adults. But we need practical things. We need to know practical things. And I'm a practical person. So I prepared a few points how to start and how to continue. So the first thing is you have to be intentional. Don't underestimate the power of decision. Everything is out in our life is a decision. From the moment we set the alarm clock the night before till the next night. Everything is a decision. Joshua 24:15 again, choose for yourself this day, every single day, whom you will serve. Doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. It is still a choice. I am reading the Bible every single morning at certain time for years now. And every single morning it is my decision. Be intentional. The second one is be realistic. If all you live off right now is the verse of the day 
or what your pastor is sharing on Sunday morning, then probably reading the whole book of the Bible in one day or even one week is not achievable for you. Choose what you can digest. Choose what is doable for you. Choose the time that is doable for you. Choose the place that is doable for you. And choose the goal that is doable for you. The next thing is become proactive. Do not rely just on how you feel because feelings are highly unreliable emotionally or physically. You have to press through and be proactive in providing no excuses for yourself. Help yourself by setting healthy boundaries. Like, for example, a lot of us get up in the morning and we get our phone, we check the messages, we wander to Facebook, emails, whatever it is. Then we go have a cup of coffee, take a shower, whatever we do. But if the morning time is your time, set the boundaries. I'm not going to touch my cell phone until I read the word, until I spend the time with the Lord. I'm not going to have my breakfast. Doesn't matter what the king's stomach says. I am going to spend time with the Lord, feeding off of him first, and then I'll feed my flesh. Set healthy boundaries. Be uh, also proactive if in the next point, remove distractions. You have to pick the place and the time where you are not just in the middle of doing something, where there are people around you and everybody's pulling on you. This is the wrong time. You have to remove all these things out of your life. My removing distraction is 3.45 every morning on my couch because uh, there is nobody else around me. And that's what I do for years now. Deuteronomy 17, verses 18 through 20. Uh, this is, like I said, God that is not taken by surprise with anything. This is the words that he's giving to Moses before the Israelites even asked for a king. But he is already telling them what to do when they ask for a king. And this is for the king. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a, co a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priest. 19, it is to be written uh, with him. And he is to read it all the days of his life. Not all the months, not all the years, all the days. I take it as every day. And don't underestimate the paper, Bible, the notebook, and the pen. Yeah. This is removing distractions. Because there is something supernatural in not only reading the regular pages of the Word of God, but also highlighting, underlining, taking notes, 
and even writing the verses, not only what God speaks to you, but writing the verses in your notebook. That's why those journals are so wonderful, because you get to copy the word of God, just like the king was ordered to copy the word of God, because it is supernatural. It sinks from our mind into our heart. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And it also becomes written in our heart. And we don't have to tell ourselves that I know the Lord, just like Jeremiah 31 said, uh, 31, 33 said. But we all know that he is the Lord and we know him. Next point is we have to own it. Don't allow yourself to make excuses. We all don't feel well from time to time. We all get busy. There is always something going on. I am the queen of excuses and talking myself out of things. I Even shopping, I grab something and then I start talking myself out of it and I put it back. That's just me. So I have excuses. But don't. Don't make excuses. Just do it. Just do it. Make a decision and stick to it. And uh, another thing. Don't allow guilt to creep into your heart because guilt is not a good motivator. Be consistent. So whatever you choose, the place, the time, the amount, stick to it. I have on my phone Bible Gateway. I don't remember when I started reading that. But this is the, they have the Bible reading program, yearly Bible. I'll read through the whole Bible every single year. That's what I do for years, but I'm a boring person. I'm a routine person. There are plenty of other reading plans, like chronological plan. That's what my husband is reading right now. But stick to whatever you choose and just stick to it and do it. But that sometimes, just knowing know-how, is not bringing us to the next level. We established that we need to do it for ourselves. We now know how to get started and how to do it. But now we would like to get passionate about it, right? And how do we get passionate about it? That's a great question, and I'm so glad that you asked me. <laughs> Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. This is a wonderful scripture. But you know what? A lot of times we focus only on the second part of this verse. What the scripture is useful for. That it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And we make it all about ourselves, only focusing on what to do, how to do, what to not do, what to avoid, and that's all we see. But the first half of the scripture, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. There is an author behind every word. And he is the one that wants to be revealed to us through every single word. Bible is for us. 
to help us, to rebuke us, to correct us, to teach us, to train us in righteousness. But it is not about us. It is all about him. Christ and the church, we talk about it. It's bride and bridegroom. It's the engagement. It's the relationship of love. And love is the greatest motivator. There is no greater motivation than love. Because anything we do, we are motivated and moved by love. Whether it's love for our spouse, love for our family, love for our children, love for our job or ministry, success, money, whatever it is. Even love for attention. We see little children performing tricks just to get attention. But we cannot love someone we do not know. We might like the way they look, the way they act, even the way they make us feel. But we can't just love somebody we don't know. And you know what? We cannot fall in love. We don't fall in love. Love is not a hole or a ditch. We don't fall in it. But we grow in love. And love is not also transferable. I cannot Venmo or PayPal my love for God and my passion for God to any of you, even to my own children. We all have to develop, cultivate, nurture it for ourselves. And until it becomes passion, we cannot stop. We have to pursue. How do we do it? When we read the word, we have to look not only for the beautiful stories, not only for what to do and what not to do, but we have to look for the person. We have to adjust our focus to look for the person who is behind every word. We have to search for God. We have to, when we read the word, every story, every passage, we have to look for his character. How his character is revealed in this uh, passage. Whether it's God is love, or God is mercy, or God is justice, or God is judgment, or God is forgiveness. What do we read? What do we see of him in, the, uh, in this passage? We also look for his ways. How he relates to us, to people in the passage. How he communicates his will, whether he speaks audibly, whether he speaks through circumstances, even through the donkey. And uh, how he communicates. We have to look for it so we would know. Uh, a lot of us uh, try to discover how to hear the voice of God. This is where you learn. You learn from what he already gave us. How did other people learn to hear his voice? How does he speak his ways? We also look for his actions. What did he do in this particular situation? What did he do when this happened? What was his response? And also we look for his purposes. Why did he do that? And what is he trying to accomplish? And then when we see 
all of this, he becomes real. We start understanding it. And no, there is no logic in God, but there is a lot of sense in God. Because he is the most sensible person. He created the sense. And maybe it's not common because it, common sense is actually a rarity nowadays. But he is the author of common sense. And I want to close with John 1. Uh, verses 1 through 4, another one of my favorite passages. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. He is the word. Jesus is the word. Just like our salvation is not just the ticket to heaven. But it is the beginning of new vibrant relationship with God. Passionate relationship with God. The same way Bible is not just the set of rules of uh, uh, laws and regulations and restrictions. But on contrary, it is a passionate love uh, a letter from God that gives us life, that gives us purpose, that gives us strength and encouragement. And it's the most beautiful letter that anybody could have written to us. And instead of focusing just on the stories and just on the rules and on the regulations, we need to look for the person behind it. Because all the Word of God is the main purpose, as I teach it in children's church. God wants us to know who He is. He wants us to know how much He loves us. And ultimately, He wants us to know Jesus. So from the very first verse, in the beginning, God created. Till the end of Revelation, it's all about Jesus. And do not try to fall in love even with my revelation of Jesus. Because somebody's revelation is not going to do. Don't try to fall in love with somebody else's revelation of Jesus. Get in the Word. Dig in the Word. Discover Him for yourself. And then you won't be able to, but, uh, to help yourself, but fall in love passionately with Him. You can continue to learn, grow, and flourish with us as a community of women by visiting nrpflourish.com. There you will find information on our Facebook group, our weekly Flourish podcast with Penny Tusi, and our 2024 Flourish dates. For more information about NRP and other conferences that we have going on throughout the year, visit nrpastors.com. We can't wait to see you at one of our conferences soon.